The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to the chief priests and the elders of the people, well, What is your opinion? A man had two sons. He came to the first and said, Son, go out and work in the vineyard today. The son said in reply, I will not. But afterwards he changed his mind and went. The man came to the other son and gave the same order. He said in reply, Yes, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did his father's will? And they answered, The first. Jesus said to them, Amen, I say to you, tax collectors and prostitutes are entering into the kingdom of God before you. When John came to you in the way of righteousness, you did not believe him, but tax collectors and prostitutes did. Yet even when you saw that, you did not later change your minds and believe him. The Gospel of the Lord. As the Advent Gospel ordinarily for today is almost identical to the Gospel we heard last Sunday. And we missed this particular Gospel reading yesterday on our Feast of St. Lucy. It seemed opportune to reflect on this remarkable passage from the Gospel of St. Matthew. The other parable of two sons. Those of us who've been around the church for a while are more than a little familiar with the famous parable of two sons, the famous parable of the prodigal son. In St. Matthew's Gospel, however, there is this reference to the two sons, very different from what we hear in St. Luke's Gospel, but with a strong note like that one of reconciliation and response about it. The Lord speaking to the religious leaders, to the self-righteous, to the authorities of the day, in a sense to those whose hearts are complacent in their sense of their own goodness, says to them, tell me what you think. And we always have to worry when Jesus puts that question in front of us because we're never going to come out looking really good. And so the Lord sets a trap. He says, I'm going to serve up something that's really painfully obvious for you to recognize. But what he's really doing is he's holding up a mirror for us to see ourselves in. And we want to think of this parable of the two sons from St. Matthew's Gospel as exactly that. The Lord is holding up a mirror and he's saying, what do you see here? Whose reflection is that? What is this saying about you? And so he says, a man had two sons. And again, right away, we have to bracket our tendency to say, and the younger one was the prodigal son and the older one was the good son, and recognize that this is a bit different than that. 
Because this is not about an inheritance, this is about working in the vineyard. And so the father says to the first son, we don't know if he's the older son or the younger son, just that he's the first one to whom the father spoke. And he says to the first son, go, work in the vineyard today. And that son looks at his father and says, no, I am not going to do that. And so his response is an initial refusal of his father's will. It's not an indifference. It is an actual active refusal of the father's will. <coughs> he knows what his father wants him to do. And knowing what his father wants him to do, he refuses. And so this is not, oh, I didn't hear you. This is not, I misunderstood. This is knowing perfectly well what is asked. He says, no, I will not do that. And we have to linger with that definitiveness, the definite character of that refusal. It is not ambiguous by any stretch of the imagination. It's said with a certain firmness. I will not go. It is not my will to do that. And yet Jesus says, this one who was so strong, so firm, and so immediate in his rejection, at some point thinks the better of that and goes. He lays aside the firmness, the stubbornness, the defiance with which he first responded and obeys. At a delay, but he obeys. And that obedience, that going to the Father's vineyard to work, involves him getting over the strength of that refusal in the first place. And the Lord says, But after the first son rejected him, the father went to the other son. We don't know that he's the younger son. We just know he's the second guy who gets asked. And the father says to him, Go and work in my vineyard. And we see here now another personality type. Yes, I'll get right on that. Your wish is my command. I am going to do this for you. It is immediate. It is apparently generous. It is positive. It is responsive. There is not a hint of negativity about it, except that it goes nowhere. How are you doing with the mirror so far? <laughs> neither, neither image in the mirror is particularly appealing. Um, but now the Lord says, here's the other son, enthusiastic, ready to respond, quick with the yes, but he never gets around to moving. And we don't hear that the older son was secretly defiant or that he changed his mind, simply that he 
never went. He never acted in accordance with the yes that he had given. And so Jesus just says, you guys tell me which one of the two actually obeyed his father. The one who said no, but ended up doing what his father asked? Or the one who said yes and didn't bother moving? And when you put it that way, the answer is very clear. The first one, the one who led with no, but ended up doing yes, was the one who was actually obedient as opposed to the one who led with the lip service of yes, and yet whose living produced no service at all. And when Jesus says that, now is where he turns the mirror directly at those to whom he's speaking, and he says, let's talk about you guys now. Let's talk about what we've all experienced with our friend St. John the Baptist, who came out of the desert with a word of repentance. And that word arrived in the hearts of tax collectors and sinners, of the petty, of the wicked, of the ambitious, of the sluggish, of the lazy. It stung their hearts because they were living an active no. And no one will tell me to change. And no one will tell me what I'm doing is bad. And no one will tell me how to live. And they moved. Out of that defiant embrace, that reckless surrender to that which is unhealthy and wrong. They who with a certain intensity even threw themselves into that came around and said, it's not too late for me to change. It's not too late for me to respond. And so why don't I? Why don't I move? And this movement that we see from the preaching of St. John the Baptist is a movement that calls to that first son who is living no to say, but you don't have to keep doing that. And the remarkable thing is all of those hearts that recognized he's right. I don't have to do that. There's something about what the Father has asked of me that haunts me. This is often the case with many of us who seem most hardened in our wrong behaviors, most defiant in our refusal to receive correction. And why are we so hard? Why are we often so defiant? It's because we're haunted by the instinct that tells us this isn't right to begin with. This is wrong. And I don't need to continue here. And I'm so rigid and I'm so defiant because I'm haunted. 
and I don't want to admit. And because I'm threatened by that sense, I become more firm in the wrong that I do. And the Baptist comes and he preaches in a way that cuts through that, that strikes the heart and says, you're haunted by goodness. You're haunted by what is right. You're not haunted merely by the sense that I might be guilty and wrong. You're haunted by the fact that there's a better way to live. Why don't you turn around and face that ghost and respond? And they do. They lay aside that proud defensiveness, that stubbornness, that laziness, and come around to recognizing that while I still have time, why don't I begin doing the good I've been called to do in the first place? Why don't I begin living the good I've been called to live in the first place? And so it is that the tax collector, the prostitute, and the Lord deliberately uses these examples of extreme behaviors in that culture to underscore how deeply lost in the wrong they were, and yet still capable of moving out of it still capable of moving away from it. And the Lord turns to those to whom he's speaking and says, and you even saw that. In other words, he's saying to the second son, you said yes and you didn't go, and you were sitting on the back porch sipping your cocktail as you watched your brother go. And you saw that he went and began to do the work that our father asked him to do, and you still couldn't be bothered to get up. What a remarkably powerful statement this really is. You, you who say, I'm about yes to the Lord. You who say, I'm getting to Sunday Mass. You who say, I'm doing all the basic things right. And yet, never convert. Never change your heart. Never fully embrace what it is the Lord is calling you to do. You sit still because everybody else needs to change. Everybody else needs to be better. At least I've said my yes. And we come back to one of the favorite themes in the preaching of Jesus, which is saying yes doesn't get you anywhere. Living yes gets the job done. A yes that is said with the lips is a yes that goes nowhere. A yes that is lived with the heart. That means something. That does something. A yes to me that, doesn't ha that allows you not to move is not a yes to me at all. It's just no disguised under the letters Y-E-S. And so Jesus looks at those who are proud of the yes that they project without actually living and says, and these other guys are getting into the kingdom of heaven. 
and you're still outside. What are you going to do about that? What a powerful example this is. This reminder from the Lord that hearing and knowing what the Father's will is, is one thing. It's a necessary thing, but it's not enough because one must respond and move in accordance with what one hears and what one knows. And those who rejected it at first often have a better sense of what it is than those who agree too quickly. And they reject it because they recognize if I say yes, I've got to move. If I say yes, I've got to do something. If I say yes, I've got to change my plans. And so reflexively, the answer is no. But where does the no come from? I've felt the claim, and I've been afraid of it. I don't want to respond to it. And the Lord says there's always hope for that one who can at least feel the claim. Because the claim will keep working. The claim can keep working. But that one who is quick with the yes, shallow and superficial, is the one who never moves and never sees the problem with that. And why doesn't he move? He's never claimed by the yes he says. It's mere compliance, but not obedience. What a powerful example. And the Lord says then, in doing this, in holding up this mirror to us, he's saying, take a good look at your heart. Take a good look at how you really respond and ask yourself what's going on there. Is there a real spirit of repentance, a real spirit of contrition? a real willingness to change, and then is there a real willingness to be about doing the work the Father calls us to do? Because note, it's not merely convert, it's not merely repent, it is go and work in the vineyard. And what happens is sometimes a certain complacency settles over the spiritual heart. Well, I'm praying and that's enough. Well, I'm doing my spiritual reading, and that's enough. And those are good things, and those are necessary things. But that's also not really working in the vineyard. And note this sense of the Lord calls me to be involved in His work. The Lord calls me to be involved in His project. He isn't simply the one who supports me in my daily living. We love to say that. And the Lord supports me and helps me in all that I do, and that's wonderful. But the Lord also expects that we participate in what He's doing. That we respond and go to work in the vineyard in whatever way that we can. And as we confront this example of the two sons, we pause in wonderment over the fact that this parable is really about the third son. 
and now you're looking at me. Father, there's two sons in the parable. There's the son who says no, but does yes. And there's the son who says yes and does no. One plus one is two. And I will say you are wrong. There are three sons in the parable because the parable is told by the son who says yes and lives yes, and that is Jesus. Note how marvelous this is. Jesus puts us the example of two sons, both with an imperfection and both with a perfection. One is the perfection of yes and the imperfection of no. The other is the imperfection of no, followed by the perfection of yes. But wouldn't it be better to be neither of those guys and to be the son who, when the father says, go work in my vineyard, says yes, and actually goes and does it? That's the one who's talking to us. That's the one who's speaking to us, the third son, the great son, the son who is never known who doesn't say no to the Father's will, but also doesn't say an empty yes to the Father's will. Who is Jesus? He is that one when from all eternity his Father said to him, you go and work in my vineyard. He humbled himself, taking flesh of the Virgin Mary, born humble, born in poverty, born into our weakness. He said yes, and he came to work. And working in the vineyard of his father, he comes to harvest all that which is his father's. And in doing so, he will lay down his life for his father and his father's will. And his Father's will is that we be gathered into glory and goodness and freedom in him and by him. Go and work in my Father's vineyard. Go and work in my vineyard. That is who Jesus is. He is the Son who says yes to his Father's will and does nothing other than live it. And so now the Lord holds up another mirror to us. It's the mirror that he holds up to those who come forward and stretch out our hands to receive him. Because he reminds us, that son is the one you receive. That son is the one who is within you. And when you hear the words to go in peace at the end of Mass, you go out in the spirit, not of the son who says yes and lives no, and not in the spirit of the son who says no, but lives yes, but you go out in the spirit of the son who says yes and lives yes. What a beautiful, exquisitely beautiful and powerful reality that is. Amen.